0: I want to close this meeting tonight by presenting to you two men and one woman who were brought up and steeped and nurtured in the things of God and yet rejected, rebelled and resisted until the very end and perished, without God and without hope. The first one we have is referred to in Genesis 4. His name is Cain. I call him religious Cain. He can have all the religion of Cain, you know, and perish and go to hell at the end of the day. At the very root of all our harvest thanksgiving services is the message of Cain. Now I'm not saying that harvest services are wrong. We don't have one just because we never had and we never started it. But I have no problem with them. It's only right and proper that we should... uh, Give thanks to the Lord for the crops, for the wheat, for the barley, for the cabbage, for the grass. But if all we have at a harvest thanksgiving service is fruit and foliage lining the windows and lining the pulpits of our church, then it does nothing for the heart of God. And I say that on authority of the word of God, because if you look at verse 5 of Genesis 4, you will see that Cain, in this story of Cain, he worked and he toiled and he sweated and he planted and he brought and gathered an armful of stuff and brought it to the Lord as a sacrifice and as thanksgiving. And verse 5 says, and, uh, uh, and to Cain and to his offering he had not respect. That word there, that phrase there means God gazed at what he brought in bewilderment but he had no respect for it. You see, we're not saved by nature. We're not saved by the trees and the flowers. But you see, his brother Abel brought the firstling of the flock. He brought the sacrifice of the lamb, shed its blood, and offered it to God. And to Abel, God's sacrifice, Abel, God said he had respect for. Now these two boys were brought up in the same home. They had the same mother and they had the same father and they were taught the same things. And one went one way and one went another way. One brought their sacrifice and offering to God one way and one boy brought it the other way. And I often say this, that when I was the age of these boys, I didn't know as much gospel as they knew way back even in Genesis 4. You see, my mother and father never taught me and like Elaine's either never taught her. He never taught me about the blood, about Christ, about redemption, about atonement, about substitution. All those things were taught from God to to Cain and e- to to Adam and Eve, to Cain and Abe. And we know that from reading the scriptures. They had the message of atonement. They had the message of the blood being shed. They had the message that the fig leaves, the fruit of the earth, the fruit of the ground, could not atone for their sin. And Abel knew that. Because he was taught that. He was taught it. And yet the other brother he brought what was needed, what was expected. And you see, it comes back, my friend, to the gospel that says... Not the labours of our hands can meet the law's demands. It is the blood that maketh the atonement for the soul. It's not by any works of righteousness what we have done. I'm sure that, that Abel sweated and planted and worked and worked hard and rotted to God. And, but it was of no avail. Because we know that it is of no avail. And he flew into a rage. And you know that he murdered his brother Abel. And we're not going into that story tonight, but he ended up crying. He ended up with this sob that went out into eternity with him. My punishment is more than I can bear. God shut him out and he wandered as a vagabond. A convicted murderer, wound, wandered and perished. And the Bible speaks about the way of Cain. Now listen, don't you go the way of Cain. Do you hear me now? You, some of you in your ungodly home, some of you have been taught about the redemption and about the blood and about the cross and Sunday school and Friday night meetings and I never, 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 until I was 25 years of age, I say it often from this public, I never knew a gospel verse. So thank God for the home that you're brought up in. Thank God for the gospel that's taught you. And thank God that you're here tonight. Because we're telling you, I'm telling you tonight. That you need Christ, the only sacrifice for sin, And anything else is no use for God. So you can have the religion of Cain and the activity of Cain and the the work of Cain and, and wander and die. One brother goes one way, one brother goes another way. One sister goes one way, one goes another way. There were two thieves on the cross. One went one way, one went the other way. You have a choice tonight. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. You can be as religious as Cain. I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 to number 2, man number 2. Take your time and get the place. Aline has a good, sharp, powerful testimony. And she said more in 10 minutes than people take an hour and a half to say. And it's wonderful to hear testimonies concise and powerful to the very point. So we're turning to Hebrews chapter 12. And verses 16 and 17. Here we have man number 2. Who was steeped in religion and steeped in the word? and Listen to him here. Verse 16 Esau. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. Now listen to this sad and awesome statement. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. What an awesome statement. Coming near the end of his journey, Esau, the brother of Jacob, The son of Isaac and Rebekah. He wanted to get saved. He sought repentance, but he couldn't find it. But not only did he seek it, he sought it desperately with tears. My friend, you can't be saved when you like. God has a time. Behold, now is the accepted time. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. For this man to cry, this awful cry, at the end of his days. What happened to him? What happened to Esau? Now, there's no use in him blaming his father or his mother or Jacob. And we haven't time to go into the story of Esau. And there was plenty of problems in Esau's home. And his father and mother didn't end up the way they should have ended up in ways either. But here, listen to me tonight. There's no use in him blaming his mother and father. And there's no use in him blaming Jacob. It was his own greed, his own lust. He was a man of the field. He, he was a hunter, the Bible tells, a man of the field, a man of the world. He had red hair. He, was, he had an athletic physique. He, he was a, had a handsome look. But I can tell you those things can be very dangerous. I remember a shrewd man saying to me one day about a certain girl who was bright and brimming and mighty for the Lord in her day. And backslidden and went away down into the world. You know what he said to me? He said, do you know what her problem was? She was too good looking. And she knew it. Just hold on a minute now. There's no use in this man here blaming anybody, only himself. Jesus says, if your hand offend you, cut it off. If your eye, pluck it out. Whatever it takes, whatever is needed to get to Christ. My friend, we need to do it because there's an eternity without him is going to be awful. And here we have this man, and you know this fellow here, uh-huh, his family taught him the things of God. He would have known something about all that went on in the family, and, and the Bible tells us about mighty encounters that his mother and father had with God, and it tells us about both of their prayer lives. And he would have known and he would have heard repeated again and again his father and Moriah and the altar and the sacrifice. And he was steeped and saturated in those things. But greed and lust and pride nailed him. Until he come to the day when he cried out to repent and he couldn't repent. You see, there are so many people, and I've met them over 49 years. In the, as a believer, I've met them. So many men and women who have said to me in missions and meetings all over the place, Oh, it's time enough. Not yet. Not, not tonight. Some other time when I get a bit older, when I leave school, when I leave university. Oh, I'll settle down eventually when I get the family reared and on and on it goes. And then they take a cough or a splutter and they're out into eternity and it's too late. And the devil has done that. And he came to the end of the journey. He sought repentance. He really, genuinely wanted to repent. But he couldn't find it. He couldn't find it. And I tell you if Elaine would have went on and if I would have went on and some of you rest of you here would have went on the way you were going, defying God and mocking God and laughing at his people, I tell you there would come a day when he would just cut. And it's only for his grace and his mercy that he didn't. The Bible calls him here he, in, in, in fornication and profanity. You know what that word profane in Hebrews 12 means? It means to cross the threshold. He shall cross the threshold somewhere. Someday. Some hour. Some minute maybe. God said that's it. And he can weep all he likes and he can pray all he likes and he can sing all he likes and he can cry all he likes and he can quote all the scriptures he likes. Too late. Too late. And to come out of a home like that and a background like that and a history like that Now let us go to the woman. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. Promise you, I'd have you out these nights at 8 o'clock. Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 32. Well known, just a short three lines of a verse. But it's the Lord Jesus speaking. And he's speaking about a woman. you can have all the religious of religion of Cain you can have all the tears of Esau you can have all the privileges of Lot's wife I tell you this was a privileged woman this was a privileged a privileged woman what are we to remember about her again I would need a half a night. What does Jesus mean when he says, remember Lot's wife? Not only to remember the awful death that she died, turned into a pillar of salt. But where to remember her life? And what sort of things might we remember about her life? Well, let me give you a couple of them as I close. You remember the years that she had with the greatest man of faith in the Scriptures and the greatest man of prayer in the Scriptures? Her close relative, Abraham. Abraham. She heard him praying because she couldn't live in the community of the tents and her and lot and abraham you couldn't you couldn't live the way they were without knowing so much about one another she'd have heard Abraham praying she 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 would have she would have remembered the steps of faith that this Mighty man of God took. She would have known that God had blessed him with cattle and with sheep and with lands and the goodness of God and the altar offered up time and time again. And she had gathered round it with her husband Lot. And oh, what a mighty, what a mighty sense of God was there as God moved amongst them people. What a privilege! Oh, what privileges we have in Northern Ireland. Oh, what a privilege it is to run up in a home where we're taught these truths. Secondly, the privilege I had, her husband is described in the Bible as righteous lot. I know that he had many faults. But the scriptures tell us that he was righteous, Lot, that he hated iniquity and evil and blasphemy. Now I say again, Lot had many problems and many faults, but I can tell you this. The Bible says that he was a righteous man. And if a woman's going to live with a righteous man, He'll be a witness. And he'll be a witness to the children and a witness to the family. And she knew very well all about the things of God that could be known. Jesus says, listen, now you remember her. No, don't only remember the way she died. And I'll tell you the way she died. And I'll tell you a third privilege and the greatest privilege of all that she had and the mighty privilege of all that she had. My friend, when Sodom was destroyed, when the fire and brimstone from Abraham's prayers were given up and the fire and brimstone fell on Sodom and Gomorrah, thousands perished. But the angel of the Lord came down and caught her by the hand. And we're right in saying that that was a theophany. That it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself came down and caught her by the hand to take her out with her husband and her two girls. You can't get a greater privilege than that. And I know of people tonight in this province who sat in missions and meetings and were very near the kingdom of God. And the very presence of God was beside them. And when you were counseling them, you could know that God was just there with them. And they turned and walked out. I was doing a mission 30 years ago in Green Island. And I wasn't preaching on this text, but during the service I quoted, Jesus says, without me, ye can do nothing. And I went into the choir room and this tall, physique, young man walked in. He didn't tell me this, but I was told later that he had won, this, won silver for the, in the Olympics for Northern Ireland for running. Just a year or two before. But he was distraught. He 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 had something down in his heart that he wasn't prepared to confess. That's about the only way I could describe it. And no matter how I spoke to him, or no matter how I prayed to him, he quoted You said tonight that without me Jesus says he can do nothing. I, and I, I emphasize nothing. Not something, nothing. He says, I need the Lord in my life. And I can't go on and I can't do anything without Him. But He was not prepared to pay the price, whatever it was. I've never seen Him since. God, in His mercy and grace, came down that night and he opened the gates of sore and the moon moon was shining or the sun was rising rather over sore and the gate was open and God says come on flee, flee, come on take her by the hand, flee, get out, get out and she turned back and she looked and she perished and you pull your hand out of the hand of the Lord you'll perish And she perished. And let me say, if ever there was a night, if ever there was an hour, the two daughters and the father needed a wife and a mother, it was that night. The family was just severed. Husband saved, a wife lost. Daughter saved, mother lost. Oh, wouldn't it be awful, mother? Wouldn't it be awful, father, if you go without him, without her? Son. Some person here tonight, more listening to me than here, will listen to this CD. I say to you wherever you are tonight, don't fiddle and tinker with God. Your religion will not get you there. Your tears will not get you there. Your privileges will not get you there. All that will get you there tonight is what Elaine did that night, and like myself, understanding very little, but there was something in her heart said, This is it, this is the way, this is what I have to do, I have got to repent, I have to gotta to ask the Lord into my heart, and by faith, by grace are we saved, through faith, hallelujah and you'll pass from death unto life. You mightn't feel any difference as you're going out, but you'll feel different. As old things pass away and all things become new. Remember this, all things don't pass away. All things don't pass away. All things pass away. You can dwell on that for a wee while. I tell you the old sin... And did you hear her say it? The very same thing I said in my test. I didn't need anybody to tell me that I was saved. I didn't need anybody to tell me anything. I knew. I know that my Redeemer lived. Can you say that tonight? Are you sure tonight? Listen, don't, don't go the way of these three and fall into the hands of an angry God. Out of a loving, caring home and church and people, let us pray. We're not going to sing. It's just come at eight o'clock. And we just ask you tonight to don't go home without Christ. Don't put it off another night. Say, Lord, I'm coming, coming now to thee. If Elaine can be any help or I can be any help to you, we'll do anything we can to assist you to come to Christ, but we can't save you. Now, Father, we thank you tonight for the Word of God and for the testimony, for its mighty truth, Lord, that's before us in these pages. Lord, if there's any other way that we could bring people to Christ, we'd do it, but we can't. And, Father, we fear that across this part of Ireland, Lord, that there are many, many who have these great privileges, Lord, and yet they abuse them. We pray, Father, that there will be a turning to the Lord tonight in all the places up and down our land, we pray for the services in all our churches. O oh God, ere midnight comes, may many trust the Savior. We pray now that you'll part us, Lord, in thy fear and with thy blessing. For Christ's sake we ask it. Amen.